Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Hockey Show Podcast. Happy to be back this week as it was Turkey Week and I went to Orlando, so I was busy traveling and didn't plan accordingly. So, sorry, John. How are you doing today? You will never be forgiven. Yeah, I know. By the way, I'm Nick. And I'm John. Yeah, happy to be here. So yeah, sorry about that. Uh, how was your How was your Thanksgiving, man? How was your Turkey Day? Did you guys get into any fun? Uh, nothing too crazy. We hosted, which is Ooh. as chaotic as that is. It's about ninety times easier than flying or driving somewhere. So hmm. I'm not about to complain. All right, that's okay. about you guys. A little little bit of a trip down to Orlando. Yeah, we went to we went back to Universal Studios. So we did do the driving, which was pretty nightmarish. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, 15 hours for what was supposed to be 12 hours without stops. So you know, I fact I factor in about an hour when you travel with I mean, no offense by this, but when you travel with your, you know, my fiance who tends to want to stop more frequently than us men. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, you can't stop. We have to drive. Yeah, yeah. Anytime she says she's she wants to stop, I'm not like, no, 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 no. I'm like, all right, I'll find the next place we can stop. Let's go ahead, stretch our legs. Yeah. Like at, at one point, we actually like stopped for lunch, and typically, I'm the type of like. Well, I'm driving. I'm just going to, this is where I'll hit up fast food or I'll stop at like a, a Sheets or a Wawa, like 7-Eleven, one of those places where I can gas up, get food and go. Like, I just want to go. I'll eat and go. So yeah, we actually stopped yeah. but both ways. We stopped both ways. So like, I understand that. It's like, hey, it's not about me. I'm crazy. I would just drive as fast as I can to get to and from my destination. Uh but yeah, no, we did the drive. It was fun. It was a blast. It was their holiday season. So we got to do Harry Potter holiday things. And, you know, that's always fun. Yeah, I, I didn't know they did a big thing for Thanksgiving. So that's cool that they had uh, had people there that early, so to speak. Yeah, and it was you you you, you mentioned it off air. Uh, it was pretty packed for Thanksgiving and that black friday and all of that i i knew there would be a crowd there but i wasn't expecting it like dude the amount of families um so you like dr seuss land is in islands of adventure and you got to kind of like come like you either have to walk through it or you can walk around it uh to get to harry potter and jurassic park and all of that stuff and my God, dude, we were straight up avoiding Seuss land as best as possible. And it's hard to, cause it's, it's, <laughs> it's the way you have to walk, but yeah, Seuss land was just nothing but a sea of families. Cause oh, I bet. that's, it, it was like, it was, it was, you know, and I having done it now and not doing the family thing this year, cause trying to just do something a little unconventional, uh, I kind of get why a family might do that instead of going to the giant gathering like why not just go do like you get a fake macy's thanksgiving day parade there so but you get donkey oh, wow. you know like a donkey was on a float and donkey was doing donkey things with the crowd he was he was he was mouthing off like it, it's you know so you get like the universal minions a lot of minions but you get the universal aspect of it uh you oh god you you say oh god but something about people walking around in suits with bananas and (laughs) gentle minions you say that but the minions ride flipping rocks man and it involves bananas there there's a banana in there (laughs) oh oh that would be a requirement yeah heck i'd be surprised if like the car that took you through the ride wasn't a banana oh it's actually it's it used to be 3D, but it's the stationary moving one now. Uh, so you sit there in the row and it kind of, but it's you being transformed into oh. a minion. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, it's you become a minion and you're going through minion training. <laughs> Could be traumatic for some kids, I would imagine. Uh, I'll say this. I'm a big old softy. It makes me cry every time I ride it because it has like... <laughs> It has a nice little, a little pull 
at the ending where it's like you think it's one thing and then it's like aha family love it's like oh steve my Carell. god yeah steve carell grooving a big old softy oh yeah so it was fun it was good times i was i just nice i uh i i would do it again 100 percent nice yeah nice and i got to walk on the All back right, now that that's how they oh. start recording <laughs> well uh, i was gonna say one last <laughs> thing i got to walk on the back lot area of where they filmed uh the old nickelodeon shows yeah yeah i saw that yeah that was so explained it all and all that and yeah we, we were in the area where like you could see the slime on the floor still like in some of those studios oh, wow. like that was kind of cool because we paid extra we paid extra in order to see that essentially you get to see the harry potter hogwarts show after the park closes so it's only everybody that paid so it's like a thousand people as opposed to ten thousand people <laughs> and, and if it's after the parks close there's probably a lot less little kids there and yeah. all that sort of stuff oh yeah our tour group was uh was myself my fiance uh our friends that had also planned to go down with their kid and then another family with like three kids, that family of five was gone right after we met Santa. Nice. So they didn't even stick around for the Hogwarts show. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But eh, they met the Grinch <laughs> and that's all that matters. So, yeah. all right. Now that we got the holiday, that holiday stuff out of the way, let's get into the main reason everybody's here. And that's to find out uh, basically how doomed your hockey team is. Uh, since we've now hit the Thanksgiving midway point. But before we get to that, there was some breaking news earlier today uh, as we were getting set to record, if I grab my notes. Um, and that is the Dallas Stars handed out an extension. Uh, Rupe yes. Hintz uh, got his big extension. Hey, you nailed it in one. I know, thanks. Uh, we didn't have to cut. We didn't <laughs> have to redo it. That's one take. Uh, eight years, $67.6 <laughs> million dollars. Uh, that's a projected cap hit of $71,369,167 for the 2023-24 season based on 15 contracts. Uh, so the Stars now have seven forward 60 and two goalies locked up for next year. Uh, and uh, I like the extension. I think he's a pretty decent player, but uh, $7.5 million to start next year, and that number starts to go up. Yeah, because it's seven point yes, five, then it's... Then it's eight point two five million, uh, then back to seven million, then it drops to five, six point nine, six point nine, six point nine, six point nine towards the end. Uh, but he's young. Yeah, young players. So yeah, I like I like this. This is uh, this. I feel like this is Dallas locking up one of their nice younger uh, draft picks. Yeah, and keeping him out of free agency and tying him up to the point to where he will probably drop off towards the end. But this isn't like, this is signing a 26 year old rather than a 30 year old. So it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Uh, most viewers will know Rupe hints from his work with uh, stars, such as Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski. Uh, the big thing that they said was that uh, extending Robertson for seven, seven, five, per year seemed like a really, really big risk. And he's leading the league in goals right now. So if they're going to give Rupe hints a little bit more than him, I'm scared to see what they're anticipating coming out of Rupe hints. Yeah. Uh, but, but they are positioning themselves well to transition away from Jamie Ben in a couple of years, transfer away from Tyler Sagan in a couple of years. If they don't end up buying one or the other out, uh, and the fact that Joe Pavelski's uh, contract is up after this year probably makes it a little easier to move some of that money around, combined with the news that the cap will probably go up next year. Yeah, yeah, the cap's definitely going to, you know, the projected cap, um, definitely, as long as we don't have another um, shutdown, I know they just found the zombie virus out there uh, that's been, like, on ice, uh, so thanks, Global Warming. Uh, for <laughs> enough that they're like, oh, this could pose a threat. So unless that thing comes out and starts, you know, puts a damper on the season uh, where they can't raise the cap next year, it's going up. But I think you bring up a great point. I think somebody like, um, you know, Tyler Sagan is probably going to be bought out at the end of this year. Uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I, he's probably got, what, at least three more years left. 
if anything, uh, year, four after yeah, this year. Four after this year, yeah. You you'd want to take that, and he's. Uh, I, I'm all trying to remember this off the top of my head. I think he's is he an eight something million hit. Nine eight five. All right, I undersold that by so I am not. That's why I'm not an agent for Tyler Sagan because somebody got him <laughs> a good payday. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I feel like that's a, that's a guy that you'd want to move on from unless you can. I mean, I don't know if he has one of those no movement clauses or something like that. But unless if he doesn't have one of those, you could always just ship him off to Arizona. Yeah, uh, Sagan and Ben both have no move clauses, but you know, there's there's ways around that stuff. If you're gonna say, "Look, we're benching you every game unless you accept this trade," then you know, yeah, you can. They they tend to be a lot more open to it after that. Of course, Uh, you mentioned um, Hints definitely has been uh, helping out with Robertson and all that up front. Twenty four points this season in twenty two games, eight goals, sixteen assists. Uh, his plus minus is 13 over his career. Uh, he's 88 goals, 108 assists for 194 points. That's in, he's done that in 261 games and a plus 33. Uh, you know, I know some people, I've heard some people say they don't look at the plus minus and they think that's a number that, you know, you can kind of be like, eh. I, I see plus minus. I think I see it differently as somebody that played defense when I was younger that I see that as a number you always want to be positive because you don't want to be out on the ice with goals against. But I get, I kind of get the argument of it's because when you look like some at somebody like going over to Buffalo for a second, but like Darlene, like is he really mm-hmm. that bad of a defenseman or is he just on a really bad team that you know you put him on you put yeah. him on Colorado? He, he is he Cal Maker, you know. Yeah, and and for plus minus and a lot of stuff like that, I feel like that's a much better indication of things if it's at an extreme, if it's really high or really low, then that'll tell you something. But beyond that, I think there's a lot of better numbers that you can use if you dig into them a little bit. The thing that jumped out at me a lot for Dallas is, speaking of plus minus, the person who wanted to be traded last year or wanted to try to get a big extension was John Klingberg and they uh and yeah I get where he's coming from with it he watched you know Sagan and Ben and uh Miro Haskinen get locked up long term and kind of said hey you know it's my turn now right and Dallas kind of said no and so he ended up walking for nothing but the rest of the league was kind of cued in on it and so he ended up with a one-year deal for seven million dollars in anaheim and boy has that not looked good either so the the stars definitely made a made a good move here that allowed them to make additional good moves yeah i i again i like i like this i i do like the signing for them uh and having peaked the cap friendly page um, honestly, I, I, I was leaning towards Sagan being the one you buy out, but I could potentially see Jamie Ben. He's only going to have two years remaining, but do you buy out your captain? That's the thing. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time you, you could, you could certainly, uh, make the argument that, you know, maybe pass it on to Rupe or Miro or whoever it's going to end up being next, uh, and have been around for that year of transition if need be. Uh, but yeah, if it's, if it's something that frees it up, it frees you up. I think it maybe let next year play out in addition to it and then look at buying out Sagan. Uh, but yeah, there's, they're going to have options. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what you think. So Hintz gets this deal. There's another player out there. Um, I'd say he's probably pretty similar. Could be valued a little bit better. Uh, how's this affect Horvat and the Canucks? How do you, do you, do you do, because you know, the Canucks are a freaking nightmare to begin with. And if they are wise, I think we've said it already. You would look to move him since he's in the last year of his deal. But if the Canucks are being the Canucks, you know, the bar is now set. Yeah. And Vancouver, as we've talked about at length this year, has just been in the middle of an identity crisis in general. 
Uh, they don't they even want don't... their coach. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps on winning. Funny how that happens. It's like me believing in him was well-founded. Yeah, Bo Horvat, him and Dylan Larkin both have have been at the end of their contracts just kind of looking at one another, seeing who's going to sign first and who has something really comparable to each other there. Uh, But I think, you know, uh, Rupe Hint's probably more valuable than either one of them since he can kind of slot in at wing pretty well. Uh, I don't think he's had to do it a whole lot this year, but it's worth considering that he's been, you know, a lot more versatile there. Uh, But I would not be all that surprised, uh, nor would I think it's, you know, really bad value if uh, Hintz has a number that's similar to Horvat or Larkin. Uh, but just knowing that Vancouver's in such a different place and uh, that Steve Eiserman is so, you know, locked down when it comes to revealing anything about a negotiating process, uh, I would be surprised if this was the domino to make either one of them pivot there. Yeah. Um, looking at Vancouver again, it's just they're up against the cap wall this year. That JT Miller contract that might have prevented you from being able to keep <laughs> Bo Horvat. It, it's it's crazy. It it really is wild at how they went all in instead of just, you know, like had to sign JT Miller instead of just waiting to see how the season played out. Because yeah, right now they've got to be kicking themselves. <laughs> Great trade. Just bait. terrific yeah. asset management yeah. all around. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, gosh. So, yeah. Um, congratulations to Hints. He got paid starting next year. Uh, and I, good deal for, uh, good deal for Dallas. And we'll see how some of the other players, um, how it unfolds for them. Uh, now, let's take a look around the league, kind of how screwed is everybody's team. Uh, I got to say, um, looking at the standings, I know they say 77% of the teams that are in the playoff spot come Thanksgiving typically make the playoffs, uh, in the cap era, but taking a look at these standings, man, I don't know what to make of it anymore. Uh, you gotta be happy as a Red Wings fan. You guys currently right now are actually sitting in a playoff spot. Uh, they are. Uh, the Red Wings are one point back from Tampa. Uh, they are a handful of points back from Toronto, but they have a few games in hand there. Uh, so they are sitting pr- pretty solidly in the wild card slot for the time being. Uh, it, their five on five numbers have not looked good. So if they started to come crashing down to earth, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Uh, but, you know, special teams can carry you through the regular season sometimes. It's usually not the playoffs, but if your special teams are executing, that certainly helps. Uh, the other issue has been their schedule has not been tremendously challenging, which, you know, you don't want to hold against them. You can only play the schedule in front of you. Uh, but I am not so confident seeing what happens every time they go up against Boston or Toronto or a halfway decent team, really. They seem to get the doors blown out. Yeah, but really, um, you know, you earn those points. You earn those points during the regular season. You know, not listen. You're right there with Tampa, who seems to be. I gotta say, I'm a little. Um, I, I I guess we shouldn't be shocked, but a little shocked at how the final four teams from last year's playoffs, uh, all kind of underwhelming right now. You know, the fact that Tampa's yeah. battling it out right now with you guys. Uh, again, they could win their, their three games that they've got to make up and that puts them even with the Maple Leafs, but Tampa hasn't looked too good. You know, Colorado has been all right, but they're sitting in third and they're in their division, but the central is still well up for grabs for them. Uh, and then the Oilers, you know, I know they, they just had that big come from behind win against the Rangers, but that's not really saying much because the Rangers have looked absolutely like how you should expect the Rangers to look unless they're getting out of the world goaltending, which is, eh, 
not really a great team. Um, yeah, the the Rangers seem to have real issues, not necessarily scoring goals, but just preventing yeah. chances going the other way immediately after, uh, you know, offensive opportunities and things like that. And it's unfortunate that the team is almost kind of built to get as far as their goalie will allow them to, because it's almost kind of tradition for them at this point with how they did with Henrik Lundqvist. Oh yeah. And that's the way it's built. And Shesterkin is out there saying, you know, I play in like crap. So these losses are all on me and he's not wrong. <laughs> he's definitely not <laughs> playing like a Vesna goalie right now. Um, and he's pretty low on confidence and goalie confidence matters. So, you know, Maybe, maybe we're starting to see that Georgiev was really, truly the starter. Not only does he get to beat up Tony D'Angelo, but he does know how to be a number one goalie. Um, Penguins find themselves back in the playoffs. They've been surging of late. You got to feel good if you're a Penguins fan. I know they just they lost the other day, but 7-2-1 and one over their last 10. I think the last time we yeah, talked, I, they were I, like 0-7. <laughs> yeah, I wish the Penguins would figure it out, man. I, I They're up, they're down, they're here, they're there. Just, just... Just let me know what to expect this year, man. Uh, yeah, they are, you know, one point ahead of uh, Florida, one point ahead of the Rangers, though they have a game in hand on them. Uh, so they are right on the edge of that wild card precipice. Uh, it, it probably would not surprise a lot of people to see them continue to go this way because they're only two points back from third in the Metropolitan with Carolina as well. Yeah, yeah. Um Capitals, they've been uh, kind of struggling. We'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit because we'll we'll talk Ovechkin. But you know, outside of that, the rest of the E seems pretty. You know, I, I guess I guess maybe the Panthers. Uh, you know, they're they're two points behind uh, the Red Wings for that final playoffs, or uh, actually one point behind Penguins for that. Uh, two behind the Red Wings, so they're still in it, but. Uh, do any of these teams, any of them from the East right now that I mentioned, any of them surprise you? Do you think, you know, I think the Islanders are going to be set for the playoffs. They haven't even lost a game in overtime yet. Wow. Um, neither, neither have the Devils. I, you know, the Devils, I think, have. I think those are two teams that have staked enough points right now that they'll be pretty good, even if they start to have those slumps. Yeah, and I have notes on both of them here to talk about but the it, it's one of those things like we like i've been saying all year for them is that they probably won't perform quite to this level for the rest of the season uh but they're not gonna have to because they're so far ahead of everyone else in their division that you know someone will probably catch them yeah but catch them to the point where they're out of a playoff spot I just have a hard time seeing it come to fruition. It's so, so difficult to get somebody to that point where, you know, you're losing at the same time that the people behind you are winning and that's happening enough for them to completely catch you and overtake you. It's just, even with his, you know, 75% of the season remaining, it's really hard to see it come to fruition that way. Yeah. Um, switching over to the Pacific and, uh, or I guess really the Western conference. Well, we can start in the Pacific division, uh, and then we'll finish in the, uh, central. Uh, you got the golden Knights leading that division, the Kraken, the Kings, uh, that's your top three. And then, uh, just as we all predict. Yeah. And then the Oilers are in the final wildcard spot, uh, with 24 points. So yeah. Um, shocked that the flames aren't you know sitting in a playoff spot right now but uh seattle that's uh that's uh, well, you know we'll talk about seattle a little bit later on um or no we could talk about it now screw it uh what what surprises sure. you about that because i'm sure seattle is going to be on that well the biggest thing was philip grubauer what was okay last year wasn't you know, world beating. And when you have an expansion team, you usually need a world beating goalie. So the Kraken weren't all that great uh, for a number of reasons, but he gets injured this year. Then they put in Martin Jones and all of a sudden Martin Jones has this big renaissance coming together where he is just playing the best hockey of his entire career. 
And for a guy that, you know, was a career backup for most of his career, mm-hmm. this is really surprising to come come up like this. But I'm sure it's not, you know, something to complain about for him. No. Um, God, it's crazy to think the Kraken are actually the third best team in the West right now. Uh it's the Golden Knight, the Dallas Stars, and then the Seattle Kraken. And the Kraken actually have game games in hand on all of that, on both of them. Um, yeah. So, and they're only one point behind the Stars. <laughs> it, it, it good for them. Good for Seattle. Um, you know, good for the city. Good for the Kraken. I dig it. Good for Maddie Beers leading the rookies of the league and scoring. Yep. Um, Good for Shane Wright finally getting sent down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been there's been a lot to talk about with Seattle this year, which is nice. Yeah, and that's you know because I mean everybody, but look at that as well. The two expansion teams top in the Pacific, and that that's kind of Who the thing. Thought? I I wouldn't have because. Seattle was not the Golden Knights. That wasn't, you know, that was never going to be that expansion draft. And good for yeah. them in uh, year two. Uh, hopefully they can keep picking up some points. Uh, but if I was looking at any of those teams that I mentioned that were sitting in a playoff spot, uh, the Kraken are the one that I could see falling out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You could, you could, I mean, sim- similar to the Rangers, they may end up going as far as their goaltending lets them. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I could see him staying hot for most of the year, uh, but the, they have to manage his workload at some point. I don't know when that's going to start to come into play uh, since they have played a few less games than a lot of the other teams around them, but they got to be able to balance that for sure, especially at Martin Jones's age. All right, moving over into the Central, you got the Stars leading, uh, then the Jets, then the Avalanche, and then uh, I guess the Wild technically are the ones sitting in the final playoff spot, but they're tied with the Blues, and the Predators are right behind them as well. Uh, And should mention that the Flames and Canucks are only one point behind the Wild and Blues, who are sitting at 22 points. So uh, pretty tight. Right there, I got to say. It is. And this is, you know, the time of the year you start to see separation. You start to kind of see the haves and the have-nots. Uh, and that last spot, especially held by Minnesota, could go a lot of different directions there. Uh, so, you know, as time goes on, we'll kind of see how a lot of them end up performing, especially if they're playing more games against each other than they are out-of-conference teams, which there was a lot of to start this year. Uh, but, you know, if you're any one of these, you know, Seattle or excuse me, not Seattle, St. Louis had a terrible, terrible start to this year. So to kind of battle back and be, you know, 7-3-0 in your last 10 is going to go a really long way towards getting your season back on track there for sure. Yeah, I'd even say same with the Avalanche. They have that tough start with an 8-2-0 run right now, which really just kind of put them back into that, like, okay, Colorado might be back. Uh, this still could be the, I know Georgiev is looking really solid out there right now. Um, so yeah, it's, I like, I like the, I feel like the West is going to be a lot more fun. I feel like you mentioned the separation. I feel like the East, we might start to see that. And we're kind of starting to see that in ways, you know, like the devils and the Islanders have done good separation from what is essentially appears to be your wild card teams. Uh, the Bruins and the Maple Leafs have set up great separation. And I feel like, again, you know, as much as we said with the Western conference, there were a lot of teams trying to tank out there. You have the senators and the Sabres just looking, blah. the blue jackets finally are, are just a train wreck. The flyers are a train wreck and the capitals they're, you know, they they look like the team. They do not look like a team that at all I have any faith. And I know it's because it's all those injuries up front until like everybody in their top six, but Ovechkin. Yeah. But still, and, like, and, it, and, it, by the time those guys come back, it's going to, it's not going to matter. Yeah. And, and for a lot of teams like this, you know, you want to take injuries into consideration, but at the same time, just about everyone has injuries happening this time of year. 
and, and they are really kind of on the outside looking in at this point, I think, just because they have more have games in or uh, the wild card teams have games in hand on them, and they're still you know two or three games back from them points wise. So again, to make up that ground, you you have to win, but the teams ahead of you have to lose as well. And that's going to be a pretty tall task for them. But I think you and I both know that they are built to do one thing and one thing only for now over the next four years, and it ain't make the playoffs necessarily. No, no, it is not. It is to make sure Alex Ovechkin uh, pads his numbers up and sets that record and becomes immortal in Washington, D.C. Do you want to check in on the numbers? Because I got the numbers. Oh, let's check in on uh, on on the grade eight. Yeah, the Ovech check, if you will. We could workshop that. Uh, he, a uh, reminder, he needed 117 goals at the start of this season to tie Wayne Gretzky's record. Uh, that means he signed for the next four seasons, so he needs to average 29 per season to catch him before his contract ends. Uh, not that that'll necessarily be the end of his career, but it's a good number for us to work with. Uh, so far, he has 11 goals in 23 games, uh, which puts him on pace for going well past the 29 required. Uh, so if we are hoping that he is on pace to catch Wayne Gretzky, so far, so good mm-hmm. with his scoring. Yeah, I think, what is he sitting at now? He's sitting at 791 goals, I believe. Yes, Um, that is correct. And I see tonight they play the Canucks. Uh, That's a nice little matchup for him. Then they get the Kraken, then they get the Flames. Oh, they're they're on their crappy West Coast, sucks to be an East Coast sports fan trip. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then they get the Oilers, then the Flyers, then back home against the Capitals on the ninth. Oof, that's I was gonna say. Do you think he gets to eight hundred uh, before he gets home? Does he do it in Philly on the seventh? Not to eight hundred, no. Two, but four, he, six, he's... eight. I don't know if he scores two goals a game. He does it in Philly. <laughs> Oh, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> two, pa- two power plays. That's all it takes. And he's got two goals in a game. Oh, uh, but hey, yeah, the no, Red Wings did their part. Yeah, Red Wings <laughs> did their part. Allowed a power play goal to him. I'm just saying. <laughs> um. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Or I've never gotten your take on it. How do you feel about the fact that it's unless. Barring a major injury, a lost season, anything like that, it's pretty inevitable that this guy, Alex Ovechkin, is going to break Wayne Gretzky's record. Like, how does that make you feel as a hockey fan? Which side of the aisle are you on here? I'm excited for it, man. I hope he does it at a road game and at a road game that is not too terribly far away from me, so I have a chance to attend it. Uh, it, it is, you know, compared to the scoring rates of the 80s to even be in the conversation for breaking Wayne Gretzky's record is absolutely insane. So to so for us to have a chance to witness this part of history is something I'm really looking forward to and really hoping he can end up accomplishing there. Uh, see, I hope that he does it close to um well i hope he just does it at a home game because that's close enough to me and then i can reach out and be like hey hi my name's nick oh that's right i work for yeah i work for espn radio have you heard the hockey show podcast uh so yeah I, i i i would love for it to happen at home also plus you and I haven't gone to games at Capital One, like back even when it was Verizon. Uh, I think that it, that would be, you know, that would be a nice way to do it because here's the guy that brought them their first Stanley Cup. Here's the guy that decided to 
even though he kind of handcuffed them by not taking really a hometown deal, still decided to resign when he could have probably gotten more money elsewhere. Um, you know, he's been the face of the franchise. I have lived close enough that when they drafted him, I remember how game changing that was for the area and for that franchise. So I, I think it would be cool for him to do it at home, but it really doesn't matter. I, I am, I'm with you though. I'm excited for it. I'm, I can't wait for this to happen when it does happen. And I can't wait for Wayne Gretzky to have to be rolled around everywhere until it happens. Because you know, once he, once he, cause he's going to have to be there for what he ties him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to Wayne to do that because Gordy Howe was there. Yeah. When Wayne broke his record. Yeah. So I, I don't know that Gordy Howe was typically thrilled about it. Uh, but, it, but I think, you know, doing that same thing, paying it forward sort of thing would be really important to Wayne. Yeah. And, and even when he started broadcasting on TNT, he's, he, you know, left no ambiguity. He straight up said he hopes he gets it. And I mean, and as always, the go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You, you can finish. I was going to say, as always, it's important to remember that did he not lose his entire rookie season to a lockout and then another half a season to a lockout and then half a season to a full season, depending on how you want to measure it to COVID, we might be talking about, is he going to do it next year or the year after? Yeah, you do. And that's, I think that's another thing that makes it so impressive because Gretzky got to play his full career. There was, uh, I mean, what, 95, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, so he did technically lose half a season. Gretzky did, but Ovechkin has lost full seasons, technically two full seasons. If you really think about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, we, we, we probably would be talking about it for it could happen this year if he goes on one of his tears or it would happen early next year. Um, and you would hope that the schedule makers would like load up like seven or eight home games to start the season for him to do it. Um, I did want to say though, I think it's I, like, I'm on board for him breaking it. Cause I love to see records broken. That's what they're made for. Records are made to be broken. Uh, and it's good oh, for, for your sure. league when those records are broken because the amount of eyes that are going to be on the National Hockey League when he is getting closer and closer, they're already starting to get there. People are already starting to take notice that this guy is getting closer to names that you say to anybody, they'll recognize. My fiance, I say Wayne Gretzky, she knows the name. She knows who Gretzky is. She don't know hockey, but she knows Wayne Gretzky. So the fact that he's getting closer to where people are like, yeah, Ovechkin could beat Gretzky. Well, what's a, what's a Gretzky? It's just now you're going to have media attention on your sport, and that's a good thing. And the, let's face it, hockey could use some positive media attention. That so, would be nice this yeah, time. It would, it would be nice, but knowing the NHL, they'd find a way to, to mess that up pretty <laughs> pretty wonderful. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, some other stuff from around the league. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, I do have some thoughts on this as well. Uh, grandfathering in the uh, helmets during uh, hockey game warmups. Yeah, and the the biggest reason I wanted to talk with you about it is I did not hear a lot of people have anything really negative to say about this. So I kind of felt like I was the only guy that had this gut reaction. But part of me is just like, why would you do that when, when you're, you know, you're a lot of hockey stars, you know, don't get that chance to be recognized all that often with those big helmets on, you know, similar to, uh, you know, not quite the same parallel, but uh, with uh, Mike Piazza being on Baywatch, having to wear the jersey while he's on the beach so everyone knows who he is sort of thing. Hockey players are kind of in that same vein. And so the only times you really get to see them without helmets on is they're in warmups. So why you would close that door going forward, I don't know. It's, it's upsetting. Like, I get it. You want to be safe with everything. Some of these pucks can really fly that far, but I feel like, I feel like they're overreacting to something that 
doesn't happen all that often, which is somebody gets hurt in warmups. Yeah, a, a, a part of me gets it because uh, I used to like not wearing my helmet my helmet during warmups. Like you know, not that I'm an NHL player or ever was, but like what I whatever what like there's something about it. But I do get the idea of the safety aspect of things, but. But I, I, I kind of fall on the their choice. I feel like it should be left up to their choice because it's not a game. If you want to just kind of go out there because you're just going to go out, you're going to skate around, you're going to stretch, stretch, you're going to shoot the puck a little bit. You're not going to go hang by the net, you know, do anything like that, and then you're off the ice. Okay, that's fine. But if you're going to be the person that's like, I'm going to practice my – tips and redirects and all of that. Like maybe you want to wear the helmet. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm indifferent to it. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's a small change. So it's not really something that's, we've already accepted, uh, visors, right? So, and and I was, I was pretty on board for the visor thing. So I'm whatever. Yeah. Visors, I get, if you're going to have a helmet, you might as well have that there too. Yeah. At least protect Uh, your eyes, man best you can yeah but the the one time that it really stood out to me someone really getting hurt was uh do you remember taylor hall getting that big scar on his face uh hit with the puck right no he stepped on a puck and he tripped during warm-ups and then you know you know then the person behind you trips and so on and so forth uh but the person uh, behind him uh, accidentally ended up stepping on his face with said skates. And uh, if, if you Google Taylor Hall face scar, uh, that'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. All right. I'm going to have to go give that a look at some point. Um, but yeah. all right. So get ready. We're going to see helmets during warm up. So you'll have to recognize your favorite player from their jersey. Um, rules for goalie mask. Yeah, you, for for this one, you saw so, something happen earlier this week uh, where Dallas was playing against Winnipeg. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, the great American boy that he is, uh, in the middle of a play, lost uh, lost his helmet. And there was a lot of controversy behind it because play continued and Dallas was kind of allowed to score, uh, which I don't, I don't know that I have a great answer to it. But uh, people are kind of saying, hey, you know, if a goalie's helmet comes off, then play should just stop immediately, to which it's easy to say, see how maybe a player that isn't a thousand percent honest all of the time could try to take advantage of that. Uh, there's been talk about putting chin straps underneath the helmets to kind of prevent them from coming off as much, which I don't think they come off that much to begin with. Uh, but it's as far, you know, kind of the polar opposite of what my take was on uh helmets during warm-up you know like that uh goalie's facing slap shots like that his helmet comes off he gets hit in the wrong place he could die so i am curious what your thoughts were as far as uh rules surrounding goalie helmets and what to do when they come off during play because the way the rule is written right now is that if a if the opposite team is in the middle of a scoring chance the play continues yeah i i i feel that the play should instantly stop because of what you said like the, the slap shots bad like this isn't this isn't the old day of a of a flat stick like those are curved sticks that puck can come up and hit them in the face so yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm on board with the idea that this should be an instant stoppage of play. Uh, I get that that probably won't be very, you know, I'll say that now and then it will happen to my team and I'm going to be like, what the hell? That's so yeah. stupid. They were about <laughs> to score anyway. And, and he threw the helmet off. Cause you're right. There does come that issue of certain goalies might just start throwing the helmet off. I don't think you need to put a chin strap underneath it because yeah, they don't come off a lot to begin with. And if yeah. one goalie's mask kept coming off, I'm pretty sure we'd be able to go, hmm, I wonder who's throwing their mask. Yeah, and, and even now there was a clip circulating of Matt Murray uh, purposely knocking the goalposts off. So uh, you know, 
I think Lundquist did it as well at one point. Yeah, maybe not to the same extent, but, you know, to a certain degree, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Oh, well, so, yeah, Lundquist wasn't wasn't cheating. Lundquist was like, his mask was messed up, and he just threw yeah, the thing off. Yeah, oh, oh, no, I mean, Matt Murray was, like, pushing off of now, the post yeah. and, like, specifically knocking them off to get a stoppage in play. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, that one now. So, yeah, I... I feel like it's reasonable to think people will kind of take advantage of it. And if they go to change the rule, it might make sense to say, okay, we're going to, you know, any time a goalie's mask comes off, if the puck is in their zone, play has to stop. But the masks are also going to have to have chin straps now or some, some sort of, you know, give and take with that to make sure the helmets coming off or is happening as little as possible or something among those lines but i don't know it made me uncomfortable watching it so i was curious what your thoughts were yeah i think there should be a rule change for that um uh it it just seems like you want to be safe that seems to be the safest thing and again i know i'm saying that now but the minute it happens (laughs) <laughs> like during a ranger game and, and a ranger goal gets waved off because of that i'm gonna be like what the hell is how dare they uh and then oh yeah that's right we're trying to save lives and prevent injury um anything else from around the league you want to hit uh um, not anything else on your notes? particular okay I, I i know we talked a little bit about uh will about a uh segment idea you had yeah, to, yes. to come up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little will it last? I figured this could be a fun way to to end the show. Uh, where I know, do you get your ideas? I mean, sometimes I'm just sitting on the toilet. It's where your best ideas come <laughs> from, according to DJ hey, Khaled. genius deals. Yeah. Um. So, just simple things, you know. I got some questions. I think you got some questions. We'll get each other's thoughts on kind of if we think these things will last. So, um. I'll hit you with one right away. You think the devil's goalie situation is going to remain this hot? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> you don't think uh Vitek Vanacek guys, uh, two twelve goals against average is going to last. Oh, well, and uh, Akira Schmid Schmid has been pretty good there too. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of this has to just do with pivoting away from McKenzie Blackwood. Uh, you know, their team save percentage is 94% in all situations, which is unheard of as far as lasting for a, a full season. But kind of like we talked about towards the top of the show, it doesn't need to last through the full season for this to really pay off for them. Uh, what really stood out to me for the Devils is if you look at the points that their skaters have, uh, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt leading the pack with 26 Nico Heischer has 25. They all play on a line together. Uh, the next top scorer is Dougie Hamilton, who has 16 points. And uh, rather famously, Dougie Hamilton's a defenseman. So it feels like this is a team that is really depending all on one line. And there's only so long you can go without everyone else kind of figuring out who you need to watch really closely. All right. Uh, well, then I guess sticking with that uh, really fast, you think the Devils are going to remain the best team in the league? Not the best team in the league, no. I that, That's a really big lead for them to have in their division, but between uh, the Golden Knights, the Leafs, the Bruins, not a chance. All right, all right. Um, uh, how about this one? Do you think anyone's going to score 50-plus goals this season? Does it, yeah, it, I can see that. Okay, okay. Because I know uh, yeah. Robertson's leading the league right now with 19 goals, uh, and and everybody that pretty much did break 50 last year, they're not in the top three. Yeah, top it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's that weird sort of trade-off that we've seen where scoring is up in the league, but the you know real big goal scorers from last year aren't necessarily scoring as much as they usually do. Uh, man, I could see Jason Robertson going either way. There just isn't that much of a sample size to say what's normal for him or what isn't. Uh, but you know, Connor McDavid will probably get there. Uh, David Pasternak will probably get there. Leon Dreisaitl, Mika Rantanen, Kirill Kaprizov. There's, there's a lot of candidates there. And even if all of them don't get to 50, I'm sure one of them will. All right. And, uh, the last thing I got is, uh, 
Will Eric Carlson be traded sooner or later? This, this is a guy a that is, uh, by, by the way, uh, this is a guy that leads defenseman in points with 32, as well as leads with 11 goals and 21 assists. Uh, the next closest defenseman in points, Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Yeah, and, you know, hey, was Brent Burns holding Eric Carlson back? I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, but, yeah, the I think the biggest issue you will see to that is the fact that he is signed for four more years at $11.5 million. Uh, living in the Bay Area is pretty sweet. He has a no-move clause, so he really kind of controls a lot of it. Uh, the big thing that you've seen get talked about is the Senators possibly trading for it which I think would be really cool to see him go back there as a conquering hero sort of thing. Uh, The only thing that I think would hold it up is that since they're trying to sell the team, typically you don't add a whole bunch of payroll to a team like that to kind of burden the new owners with. What I could see happening is, uh, is I could see the sale going through and then Carlson immediately being traded to Ottawa. And so then that kind of gives the message to the fans that, you know, hey, this new ownership group's going to take care of you. They're the ones that brought Eric Carlson back sort of thing. So that I could see happening. I don't know that it would happen this season. Okay. But I'm sure I, I'm sure if anyone's going to trade for him, they'd like to see a little bit more uh, consistency to – kind of hammer home that he's returned to form there. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely having a, a the type of year where if you're like career company and you are committed to selling which you should be, this is the time to try and get him out in my eyes. It's definitely the time you want to try and get him out because you want to sell high. You don't want to get stuck in a situation where you know all of a sudden next year he does re you know, drops down in production again and looks like the Eric Carlson that we all went, Oh no, they gave him 11 million. And yeah, he, he set, and, the, and he set the standard for defensemen. And then all of a sudden every defenseman after him decided to sign at 9.5 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and realistically you got to imagine that, you know, someone, the sharks are going to have to retain salary or they'll have to involve a third team like Chicago or Arizona or someone like that to retain salary. But asking someone to retain for four years is really, really difficult. And given what this next draft's going to look like, you know, I don't know if you want to move a first to to, uh, San Jose or to whoever's retaining to make that happen. That's true. Unless you're, unless you are a really like you're going to the playoffs, but if you are a playoff bound team, you're not going to have the salary cap space for post this year. Even if they ate a portion of that contract, you're just, you know, you're, you're Tampa, you're, you're those situations where you're manipulating the cap with the rules that you told the league, Hey, we should probably put in a provision about this. No, nobody's going to do that. Hold my beer. (laughs) <laughs> Watch me well, win a it, bunch of Cubs doing it. Well, hey, it worked out really well for Tampa, and then uh, it got Vegas to the point where they were just garbage. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the sword can cut either way on that. But sure. you're right. We the, you, we may need a really conveni- convenient injury to come up if we're going to see uh, Carlson get moved this season. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, that was all I had. Well, let me ask you about another team that I know you're close with, uh, the New York Islanders. Oh, uh, as far as them on right now, are, actually, <laughs> as as far as teams that are performing really well and currently losing to the Philadelphia Flyers two to one, uh, do you think do you think the Islanders are for real? Do you think they they keep this going? Um, you know they've been one of those teams that when I. Uh, I think they are. Uh, I think I underestimated them a little bit. I was curious, but I mean, maybe we should uh, stay. Maybe we should be, uh, shouldn't be doubting these veterans. I don't know. I don't know. They've just been playing really good hockey, which it's hard to kind of bet against them right now. 
Uh, they've been pulling out the wins. They're seven three and zero over their last ten. Uh, they're the goals differential. They're they're plus eighteen. So like they're getting the goaltending. They're getting the scoring. They're getting the secondary scoring as well. Uh, I know right now they're losing to the Flyers at, at intermission two to one, but uh, honestly, they've looked really good. I think they keep this up and the rest of that metropolitan division, listen, the Penguins might be hot right now, but outside of the Hurricanes, like I just don't see anybody else being really competitive against them in that metropolitan division. And that includes the yeah. Rangers. Like I just, I don't. I don't think the Penguins, Rangers, Capitals, Flyers, or Blue Jackets really pose much of an issue to the Islanders. It, and it it could have just been, because we said at the beginning of the year, they didn't change anything. They all just got a year older. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to bode well for them. Maybe changing coaches has really taken them this far. Uh, it wouldn't be that unusual for a really unconventional move to make Lou look good. Yeah. Uh, what, what stood out to me is uh, Ilya Sororkin's uh, save percentage, you know, that New York Russian goalie who starts with an S. Mm-hmm. Uh, his save percentage. IS uh, initials. Yeah, yeah. The, his save percentage right now is a 938, yeah. and that just seems a little high yeah. based on way more most goalies perform. Uh, their PDO right now, which is just adding their – you may not be aware, but for anyone else that's listening that's not aware, you add your save percentage and your shooting percentage, and if you're performing really sustainably, it usually adds up to 100. Uh, they are 102.9 right now, so they are due to come back down to earth a bit. Um, but, but when they come back down to earth, it's tough to say, and by the time they do come back to earth, they may already have a playoff spot locked up, so... You know, I the Islanders probably going to regress a bit, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, you bank those points early on, you could be made in the shade. Yeah, yeah, that's now, that's that's their thing is they've banked enough points that you know, I, I just don't see the Penguins staying on this type of run. I feel like they're going to be an up and down team this year. The Rangers are going to clearly be up and down. The Capitals are going to be up and down, and the Flyers and Blue Jackets are just. They're the bottom feeders of the Metropolitan. Um, and the Hurricanes are, you know, they're just going to get, it's going to turn around for them. They've just been playing at a three, they're three, three and four over their last 10. It's just been one of those goes of it for the Hurricanes. So, yeah, you know, but, but four they, overtimes lost also, just a lucky bounce here. The Hurricanes have also done it enough to where you could see them go on a 10 game streak in March and not be all that surprised by it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, now, earlier, and by earlier, I mean yesterday, Detroit was playing against Toronto, which had Mr. Austin Matthews. 24 games played, 11 goals, 26 points for this guy. Uh, you know, big Rocket Richard winner last year. This year, he is third on his own team in goal scoring. Tied for 19th in the league. Uh, does Austin Matthews turn it around? Yes. <laughs> It's Austin freaking Matthews, man. Um, he, you know, he had a really tough start to the to the season, but he's he's been turning it around. He's been playing at a better pace. He's looking better out there. So yeah, Austin Matthews will be fine by the end of the season. Yeah, and and that's kind of the conclusion that I came to. Uh, you, we, when we talk about, you know, sustainable shooting percentages, uh, the league average is usually somewhere between nine and 12%, depending on the year. Uh, you would expect someone like Austin Matthews to have a higher than average shooting percentage. And over, uh, his career, it's 15, six, one is his safe or uh, shooting percentage. But so far this season, he's at seven fourteen. So that is pretty due to turn around for him there. Yeah. Thing that I was a little interested in is I tried to get a good look at whether or not uh, that that having the Rocket Richard there on your team 
really translates to postseason success. And I went back to look at everything and saw that there has been three times since the lockout, uh, the, t- the full season lockout. Boy, I have to specify which lockout. This league is miserable. Uh, three times since the, f- the full season lockout that a team has had the Rocket Richard winner on their team and won the Stanley Cup. And it was the 18 Caps, the 17 Penguins, and the 2009 Penguins. Hmm. So this can tell us a couple of things. This can tell us, hey, you know, the the team that has the Rocket Richard doesn't change that often from year to year. Uh, But it can also mean that having that one high-performing offensive player doesn't always necessarily translate to postseason success. So So you wonder if he's focusing more on the defensive aspect of it rather of uh, the game so that the team can be more successful in the long run Mm. uh, rather than uh, focusing in on trying to win the Rocket Richard for it. Mm. Uh, I just don't, I don't don't think he, I don't think he's focusing in on the defense. (laughs) Yeah. And and even if he was, you'd expect his shooting percentage to be a lot closer to his average. Uh, the, the fun then in looking at rocket Richards for the last years, you know, Ovechkin, 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 Crosby, 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 uh, made me think of a little bit earlier in our lifetimes. We can end this on a little trivia note for you, Nick, from 1981 to 2001 art Ross trophy goes to the league's highest point getter. Only three different players won it over this 20 year span. Can you name them? Well, I'm going to assume one of them is Wayne Gretzky. Yep. Um, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say Messier maybe did it. No, no, no Messier. Hmm. Well, all right. Well, Super Mario. Mario Lemieux. That's one of them. All right. Thought maybe one left to someone that was very close to Lemieux. You might expect. Oh, was it one Yamer Yager? Yeah. All right. Which is, it's just wild to me that over a 20 year period, there was only three guys that won this. Yeah. And I'm sure it was Gretzky like 98% of the time. And then Yager was probably the year that Mario left when he had cancer. And Mario was probably just one of the years prior to getting his cancer. What he was, yeah. I mean, God, man, Mario Lemieux was so good to watch. So I remember watching his return game. Yeah, and the the you 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 described it pretty well there. It was mostly uh mostly Gretzky in the eighties. Uh, then as you get into the nineties, Gretzky makes an appearance at a couple places, but Lemieux really starts to take off in the late eighties. Uh, and then Yager, uh, even while Lemieux was still with the Penguins, uh, really had a chance to kind of come into his own and uh, do some good stuff there. Just not with the Rangers, unfortunately. I mean, well, he put up great numbers with the Rangers, but at that point in his career, eh. um, I mean, what, there was that 92, what, 91, 92, whatever, where just Mario and Yager were just good God. Yeah. <laughs> like you did not want and to that translated that. into postseason success yeah. as well yeah i think they wanted the cup that year right yeah um <laughs> yeah so so what we learned is having a single high-powered offensive talent does not translate to postseason success unless you are the penguins yeah yeah maybe the devils that's what they're trying to bank on this year right just too high there's worse strategies to have that's true all right. Well, uh, fun episode. Learned a lot. This yes. Week. Got a lot done. So uh, is there anything you'd like to plug, John? Uh, yeah, I have a live journal uh, that you can check out. Okay. Uh, kidding. Kidding, of All course. Right. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at JT Evans, the number zero. All right. You're not on Mastodon yet? I refuse to learn what that is. I'm not even on Instagram, man. I, oh, I can't. I can't add another platform to my repertoire. All right. Well, but but what about you? Uh, I just like to sell the Twitter because it's still there. Wonderful underscore radio. Easiest way to. Um, that's my favorite one of the apps until it crashes and burns. Um, so I'm riding that one until it dies. Then I'm on TikTok. 
There you go. Right. Same, same handle on TikTok? Yeah, I think Nick Wonderful is over there. Yeah. It's my Instagram one, yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. See ya. Thanks for listening. I started drinking with me cousins. As far as I can tell, well, we never caused no trouble. In fact, we all worked out quite well. There was me and there was Billy making quite a scene with the beer and the vodka, the whiskey, and then many other things. The last week of October, and we were by the falls in room number 32, right down the kitchen hall. My grandfather told me, it's in your Irish blood, you see, broke down the situation, and here's what's wrong with me.